This is Life Change Church in Muskegon, Michigan. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for giving us your ears while you mow the lawn, kayak, do the dishes, or sit with the knitting circle. Watch us on Facebook Live Sunday mornings at 9.30 or subscribe to the weekly podcast at mylifechangechurch.tv. This is Pastor Ron Rands. Well, good morning. And uh, today we're going to be talking about three time periods and uh, one of them being ours. And, you know, John, um, Romans 15.4 is a, a passage that's really come into perspective to me more than ever. Such things were written in the scripture long ago to teach us. And the scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. And the Bible also talks about how history has a way of repeating itself. You, today, maybe you're in uh, your living room or maybe you're, you're even watching this um, in the safety um, uh, of your car or maybe it's some lonely place. I was even talking to somebody at the gas station today who told me that he can't even see his child right now because he works in a gas station and they're saying that it's um, a place where they don't want him to be exposed to his own child. I, I, these are hard times to live. These are unique times to live. Where in scripture could you reference to find hope and encouragement? Well, today I want to help you with that. You know, the first one is the Passover, and we're going to be talking about that in a little bit more in detail in a few more minutes. And, and what, you know, the Passover was a time where if you were getting that story where everyone was hid behind their own house, behind their own door, kind of like today where we're behind our own doors and that there was this thing uh, that there was um, fear of death was going to come into every home and kind of like today and uh, that they were to uh, put the blood, uh, sprinkle the blood of a lamb on the doorposts so that the angel of death would pass by them and how many of them today are just praying that the angel of death would not come near their their home or near their child or near their, um, their life. And then I want to talk about uh, Easter. Obviously, it's, it's Easter 2020. And what was that time period like? And we, we get excited about it because obviously um, we're, we're living here 2,000 years afterwards. But what was it like during that moment? What was it like for the disciples to, in the experience that they are having? In fact, um, the Bible says that Jesus had appeared to his disciples uh, about 10 times and probably more, but we know that there's reference of 10 times in Scripture where he appeared to the, the, um, the sisters of the Lord and, and to the disciples to help them get, you know, hope and encouragement because they were discouraged. In fact, um, the first time we find him visiting them was three days after the resurrection, and uh, he went into this place where they were hiding. Kind of, again, like it feels like today, place of hiding and and, and wondering, and, and what, what is actually going on? What has just happened? And remember, um, we think about the resurrection and, and this glorious day, but man, there was things being shaken up. There were things that, you know, the, the, the Bible says that this whole gross darkness came over all of the land. It said that great people were coming out of graves and, and, and walking around. This was a time of, of certainly uh, where you'd want to run into your home and shut the door. Again, much like the times 
today. And so I want to read uh, from the passage of John chapter 20. Hopefully you have time to turn there. John chapter 20. And I've, I've uh, titled this message, Us and Them. Yeah, I'm, here we are talking about that thing. In fact, if you tune in here and you've been coming to the, um, our church services in times past, you'll know I've been referencing this is the whole 2020 picture is us and them. And John chapter 20, verse 1, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. She came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running. Behind them arrived, went into the tomb, and he saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked him, woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it you were looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Jesus said, Mary, She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am returning to my Father and Mary, your Father. And I am going to my God and Mary, your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I've seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came, stood among them, and said, Peace be with you. After he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them. Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they're forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they're not forgiven. Now Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said, unless I see the nail marks on his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. A week later, his disciples were in the house again. Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here in my hand. Here, see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not recorded in this book. 
But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. I would like to pray at this time. Father, I ask for assistance. God, I pray that by your Holy Spirit that you could enter into homes, enter into this moment. I pray, Holy Spirit, you bring revelation and understanding to us that we might see you in, in, in ways, that we may even see you in uh, a, a different way or even maybe a, a way we've already seen you, but in a, God, that you're even brighter and glorious than we've ever seen before. Help us to understand you in the light of this hour we're living in. In Jesus' name, amen. So I wanna share with you just some facts about Easter, if I could, and then I'm gonna go back to, to John chapter 20 and kind of explain the scenario of what's going on. I, I want to talk about the us and them, and even to the, fa- the factor of the disciples, and in, even to even elate about what was going on six days before this moment. So I'll begin with just some facts. Jesus Christ is crucified. It's the Passover story 1,500 years later. He's, this, he's the lamb without blemish. The Passover was, again, I've already mentioned, 1,500 years before this. And you can find this in Exodus chapter 12. And there was these plagues. There's 10 plagues that go on. And why were these plagues um, uh, facing mankind? It wasn't because God wanted these plagues to happen. What God was wanting his people to do was to be released from their slavery so that they might worship God. That's what God wanted them to do. And many of us, are in, we're enslaved to fear. We're enslaved to um, our, our scenario of what, what, what might happen and worry. And God was helping and trying to assist his people to say, look, he says, I want you to be released so that you could worship me. And so there was this experience that was going on between Moses and Pharaoh, kind of what it is like between Jesus and the devil wanting you to be free in your inner, so that you might worship God. You might have freedom to worship God. So many people today are so encumbered, they can't worship God with a freedom, and God wanted them to worship God in a freedom then, and he wants you to worship God in a freedom today. Easter is a celebration of uh, three days after the crucifixion, which is what we celebrated a few days ago, called Good Friday. And uh, today it tells us, the history records that the first Easter is in 33 AD, 33 years after Jesus was born. BC is the abbreviation we know of, is before Christ. AD is an abbreviation for Anno Domini, which is the Latin for the in the year of our Lord. BC and AD are commonly used to count years in time. Jesus Christ's birth is used as a starting point to count years that existed before Christ and after Christ. For example, the year 532 532 BC refers to the time 532 years before Jesus was born. Easter is about Jesus who was born of a virgin woman and whose father was God himself, the Holy Spirit. So Jesus was born of a virgin, was on this earth for 33 years, And the whole purpose of why he was here was so that he could die for your sins and mine. He lived on this earth 
for 30 years, as we already talked about, and then three years he began his ministry after that. We know that he had three stepbrothers, Joseph Jr., James, and Jude. We also know that he had stepsisters. We do not know their name, but we know that there's reference to sisters, so he, he had at least two sisters while living on the face of the earth. And so I have some points I'd like to make to this, this message, and then I want to refer back to the us and them, get to the heart of Easter, if I could. Number one, let's not forget the why behind Easter, Christ rising from the dead, from the crucifixion. Number two, it's easy to miss the point even of Easter. When I say that it's easy to miss the point, let's reference the passage we opened up to in John chapter 20. The disciples didn't, even after the, the appearance that they had had in, in Bethany, and I'll reference that uh, passage in just a minute, they did not understand that Jesus, even after he had told them he was gonna rise from the dead, they still were not connecting with that truth. And, and maybe you're here today, and Easter is not something you're connecting to with your heart. You know, God has given us these five senses, but do you realize these five senses, they're not meant to connect with God. That's not what, that, God gave you these human senses so that you could connect with mankind. But he, then he gave us our spirit so that we could become born again so that we could connect with him. So that's why God says that you must be born again so that you can have a, a different connection with God himself and his truth. If you're not born again, you're not gonna understand the sense or understand the purpose or even understand the word of God the way God intended it for you to do it. And so here we are, these disciples, and, and they're not even understanding the Easter themselves. The first Easter, they're sitting, hiding away, not really connecting with the resurrection, even after Mary had said, Jesus has risen. They're just kind of like, oh, that Mary's just having this moment. She's just so, so scared. She's lived, caught up in this uncertain moment. And she's probably just having some kind of dream or some kind of epiphany. And they're not even connecting with that truth until Jesus appears to the disciples. They get so excited. So lest we get too hard on doubting Thomas, he was doubting all of them. All of them we're struggling with their doubts. And you know what, I, this is what I love about Jesus. Jesus knows this about us. No, no matter what, even once we become born again, we have this tendency to constantly go back to our five senses. We have this tendency to always see things through a human eye, through a, a physical touch, through some kind of you know, experience in our senses of taste. And uh, it's interesting, yesterday I bit my tongue so hard so I, I can't taste anything today. You know, and, and, and I, what, we need to be in that place sometimes where, okay, I don't want to sense through the human factor. I want to sense through the God factor. And this is what Jesus was doing. This is what God was trying to do in Passover, trying to get his, his people out of slavery, out of the senses of everything around them so that they could know their God, know their creator. In John chapter 20, verse 26, a week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them. Now, what had happened is, is that 
This is a week later. Now, the disciples had this moment just a few days after the resurrection. And you can imagine, can you see yourself in that place? Can you see yourself where one minute you're hiding because you're afraid that maybe you could be the ones that's on the cross because of what you believe? You've just seen your master. You've just seen your teacher. You've just seen your Lord crucified. And now you find yourself hiding behind these doors. Kind of like today, people are hiding behind doors. And you're in this place of wondering and Jesus appears and all hope of, of, you know, of, or hopelessness is gone. All discouragement is gone in one twinkling of a moment because of, a, because of an experience, because of an appearance of Jesus that comes in their life. And the, the Bible says that Jesus breathed the Holy Spirit into their life. Now, I want you to just to think about, just for a moment if you could, you now have the Holy Spirit breathed in your life. You're what we would call born again. And what are you talking about? That's all you're talking about is Jesus came. And the last words that Jesus said. And you're, and you're sharing, and, and there's only, really, the only person you get to talk to that really doesn't know what you're saying is Thomas. Referencing Thomas. So now put yourself, make yourself Thomas right now. Because that's the them out in the world. Now you're the us, you, you that know Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, you that have invited Jesus as your personal Savior in your life. You're the us. He's breathed his Holy Spirit in your life. You begin to, the, the scriptures begin to make sense to you. They're God breathed and, and the words come off the page and you become alive as you read the Bible and, and as you cry and you pray. And you know, just recently I was with my own sister-in-law and, and uh, who my, my brother-in-law just passed away a few days ago and we're caught in this, this remorseful moment in this room and we bow our heads and we pray and God comes in the room. And he starts ministering and tears are coming all through people's prayers. And there's this heartfelt connection with God. And there's so much hope after prayer. Why? Because Jesus was invited in through prayer. Kind of like Passover was supposed to be. They were supposed to get caught up in worship and Passover. And then Jesus has appeared to the disciples. And they're caught up in the worship of Jesus there's one person that didn't have that catch. His name was Thomas. And we give him a bad rap. We call him Doubting Thomas. And, and, it, you know, and, and we reference him that. But he's the them. He's the one that hasn't had the experience. And Jesus appeared again 10 different times that we know of in the Gospels to them so that they might have an experience. Because so many times we're a people that only believe through experiences of our senses and not listen and look for him in our spirit. And the Bible says very clearly that the Bible says that we must worship him in spirit and in truth. So here's Thomas as this person, part of them. And, and you know, and, and, and Thomas appears to have this animosity inside of him, almost frustration. He goes, lest I touch and put my finger in his side, lest I see the holes in his hands, I will not believe. It's almost this, this, uh, this frustration. I see this man who's frustrated because he wasn't there. I would have been. I made myself Thomas and I went, if, I, if all of my friends had seen Jesus, if all of my, you know, my, the ones that I had been spent in the last three years of my life and they had, the Holy Spirit had breathed on them and that's all they're talking about. 
And they're talking different. They're seeing things differently. And I feel like this left out person. I would have felt insecure. I would have felt, what, you know, what, what's wrong with me? What did I do wrong? Why didn't Jesus appear to me? What, what, what is it that, you know, what is it that's, and yet what I love about the scripture, I see this passage differently. Because really all the disciples only believed when they saw him. I never saw that before. I always had seen it that they, that they had believed always, but they didn't. They believed when he appeared in front of them. And now we have this Thomas picture who wasn't part of the us in that moment. And I think about myself, how am I sharing the gospel to others? Am I sharing the gospel with this, this excitement, this God-breathed, you know, uh, you know, Jesus and me, and, and not knowing how to connect with Thomas in the world who hasn't seen and experienced the Jesus that I have, who hasn't really um, had a retention of, of, of a presence of God like I just had in my sister-in-law's house. I've had so many experiences with Jesus. And yet I, I find today people that have been in church and not people in the church that haven't had those experiences. Am I sensitive to them? Am I sensitive to the people right now that are hiding behind homes, that are fearful of death? Am I sensitive to the experience of what it would feel like with the peace that I have of Christ that lives in me? Lest we judge so harshly, let's reach out to the them especially those who are us. And maybe you are the ones listening right now and you feel like them, you feel like left out, you feel like Thomas, that you've not had, you've not seen, you've not experienced, and you're trying to see God with all the senses that you have. Well, let me tell you something, you can't connect with God with the five senses. You connect only with God by surrender and accepting him in your heart. Point number four, are we moved in our faith because of the signs of his presence? testimonies or stories? Are we stuck analyzing what has been seen? Again, I love how God has recorded these moments to help me in my own faith. In John chapter 12, six days before Christ is crucified, six days, Jesus goes back to Bethany and maybe that doesn't really mean anything to you, but Bethany is the city where Lazarus came back from the dead. And I want to read this passage to you because, see, the disciples still didn't connect with this. Jesus had brought this whole moment into their path so that they would see what they needed to see. And yet they could see it with these eyes, but they weren't seeing it with these eyes. Let me read this passage to you in, uh, in, in what, I, what I, again, John chapter 12, verse 17. Many in the crowd had seen Jesus call Lazarus from the tomb, raising him from the dead, and they were telling others about it. Well, who wouldn't? That, this was the reason so many went out to meet him, because they had heard about this miraculous sign. 
Then the Pharisees said to each other, there's nothing we can do. Look, everyone has gone after him. Some Greeks who had come to Jerusalem for the Passover celebration paid a visit to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee. They said, sir, we want to meet Jesus. Philip told Andrew about it, and they were together to ask Jesus. Jesus replied, now the time has come for the Son of Man to enter his glory. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it. Anyone who wants to serve me must follow me, and because my servants must be where I am. And the Father will honor anyone who serves me. Now my soul, Jesus says, is deeply troubled. Should I pray, Father, save me from this hour, but this is the very reason I came. Father, bring glory to your name. Then a, now stop and watch this and listen to this. Then a voice spoke from heaven saying, I have already brought glory to my name and I'm going to do it again. When the crowd heard the voice, who's in the crowd? The disciples. Some thought it was thunder while others declared an angel had spoken. Then Jesus told them the voice was for your benefit. The time for judging this world has come when Satan, the ruler of this world, will be cast out. And when I am lifted up from this earth, I will draw everyone to myself. He said this to indicate how he was going to die. The crowd responded, we understand from scripture that the Messiah would live forever. How can you say the son of man will die? Jesus who is the son of man anyway, Jesus replied, my light will shine for you just a little longer. Walk in the light while you can, so the darkness will not overtake. Those who walk in the darkness cannot see where they're going. Put your trust in the light where there is still light. Then you will become children of the light. After saying these things, Jesus went away and was hidden from them. But despite all the miraculous signs, Jesus had done, most of this people still did not believe. Even through this moment, six days before the resurrection, Jesus is referencing the, uh, uh, I'm sorry, six days before the death and the three more days after the resurrection, Jesus is refer referencing the whole resurrection of Lazarus. Then this, this voice from heaven thunders and speaks that I'm going to glorify myself again. Who's he talking about? Jesus is saying, I'm going to be the one, the sacrificial lamb. He marches into the city and becomes the sacrificial lamb. And the disciples still don't get it. That's me and that's you. So many times we just... Even after all the signs and after all the things that are spoken is, is that we don't get it because we're trying to get it with these senses. And then there's something that happens. There's an event or there's an experience or there's an invitation that comes in your heart where you go, I don't want to sense this. I don't want to connect with this. And you either by an event where you're caught where you don't trust your senses or they're all shut off or you're inviting, on, you know what, Some, you're inviting Jesus in to say, I, I can't make sense of this world. Could you please come in my life? I surrender. In a moment, I'm gonna ask you to have that experience again with me. Luke 16, 
verse 30 and 31, I'm going to close on this thought. The rich man replied, this is a parable that Jesus shares and what's found in the gospel of Luke. And there's this rich man and Lazarus, not the same Lazarus we just talked about, who Jesus raised from the dead, who was a very good friend of Jesus. This is just another uh, parable, a storyline, where there's this really wealthy man who um, has all of life has to offer. All of his senses are kind of taken care of. And then there's this very poor man named Lazarus who's filled with sores and just hardships have all overcome his life. And life ends for both of them. And uh, one of them is found in, in, uh, in, in basically Hades or hell. The other one is found in, in Abraham's bosom or, or heaven. And there's this dialogue and the rich man goes, I, I, this is such a horrific place. Please, um, you know, go and warn my brothers so that they will, you know, so that they will can have a detour and, and not have the same ending that I have. And this is found again in verse 30 and 31. The rich man replied, no father, Abraham, but if someone was sent to them from the dead and they will repent of their sins and turn to God, then they will. But Abraham said this, if they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, they won't, li- won't be persuaded even if someone rises from the dead. It wasn't until this morning, just before I came into church today, that this passage came alive to me. We're no longer was I just reading this scripture with maybe my own senses, but the Holy Spirit brought revelation. This was talking about Jesus. Jesus was referencing himself. He goes, even if somebody comes back from dead, Jesus is not on the cross anymore. He is arose. We just celebrated in our worship. He is arose from the dead. He is sitting at the right hand of God. Not here to judge you, but he can, he's here to save you. And he's calling on your heart as much as he's calling on my heart. And you know what I've learned in so much that God just wants our hearts and our hearts to worship him and to know him. In a few more moments, we're going to celebrate communion together. And, uh, but before we do that, I want to take this moment to ask you, are you trying to connect with God with the senses that God gave you in your human life? Let me save you the time. It won't work. But if you find yourself, you know, empty, um, if you find yourself today with this, you know, this play, a space, vacancy, if you will, in your heart, that's something that God created inside of you so that he could have that vacancy. He could have that relationship with you so that no longer would be a vacant place but it would be a place filled with him and that your life could take on new meaning and if you would um, like to take this time and and to say you know what pastor I I really um, I sense that in my life I I want my life to take on new meaning just this week we had somebody that answered this call and, and, uh, and asked Jesus Christ to be Lord and Savior of their life I sense there's gonna be many of you today that are gonna do the same. And uh, in a few more moments when I, when I close today, there's gonna be an opportunity where you can, you, can, uh, you can connect with us and we can assist you in that. But right now, the way we do that is by surrender. We invite Jesus in our hearts. 
I know he's been talking to you, to you throughout this service. So would you bow your heads and pray this prayer with me? Father, right now we accept Jesus as Lord of our life. Lord Jesus, we thank you for dying on the cross for our sins. We thank you for resurrecting from the dead to be seated in the heavenly places with our Father in heaven. We invite you through your Holy Spirit to have a, have a, a new path in our walk. Lord, we, we are living in a time like we already heard that's, it's where it's uncertain, it's unprecedented, but yet there are moments in Scripture like the Passover and like the time where Jesus literally died on the cross where people are, we feel like we're living in hiding, but God, you can come into our hearts like you did with the disciples. You walked right through a locked door Father, I can think of times in my heart where it feels locked off. Right now, I want you to say, Lord Jesus, I open up the lock in my heart. Come on, do that with me right now. I open up the lock in my heart. I invite you in, Jesus. From this time forward, you are my Lord. You are my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you for taking the time with us today to accept, not only to hear a message on Easter, but to see some times that were, you know, in history where how God has been putting these historical um, times together. And uh, we have a few from the band that are behind me today to continue in our communion and our worship of our God. And I'm gonna just take a, a moment to go get this little bag In this bag, a lot of our church family had the opportunity to have Easter at home. So we have this little cracker and we're going to have this juice in a moment. But before I, I read that to you, I want to kind of put the story of Passover and, and Easter together again real quickly. Approximately 15, 1,500 years before Jesus became the sacrificial lamb, God partnered with Moses to deliver his people. God tried to bring a change of heart to the world by showing his great power through these plagues. Pharaoh was instructed to let the people go so they might worship him. Nine of these plagues, as, as horrific as they were, were nowhere near what was about to happen, and Pharaoh would not listen. In fact, it references that he had a hard heart. And then the last plague, which was the one where the firstborn son was to be taken from any household where the blood wasn't on the doorpost. And it says that the angel of death would pass wherever the application of the blood was. That's what Jesus was. He was that sacrificial lamb. 
for you, for me. And that in these places where we recognize our being undone, that we don't have the answers. You see, when you can in the presence of an almighty God and a perfect God, you will sense being undone. Isaiah said it best, I'm undone. I've been caught in his presence. And this was the very thing that was supposed to help the people say, look, you're, this is normal to feel so imperfect in a perfect presence of God. And that God bridges the gap. He doesn't keep us so that we feel like these meaningless people on the face of earth. He wants us to have fellowship with him. And he makes this bridge. And it was, that bridge was the Passover then. Today it's Christ. The cross and the resurrection. And we have a way of celebrating that as, as often as we want. We can celebrate that bridge of, of an imperfect person reaching a perfect God. And God gives us communion to celebrate that. Paul writes this way, he says, For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord. On the night when he was betrayed, Jesus took bread. He gave thanks. Then he broke it in pieces. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take of the bread. This cup is a new covenant between God and his people. It's a new promise. An agreement confirmed with blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you're announcing the Lord's death until he comes back again. If you would, take some time to reflect, to worship, to try to get your heart to connect not with your five senses why do you think God wants us to close our eyes many times so that we shut off these senses take this time to see with the eyes of your heart and worship him we have some music that will help you try to do that God bless you Easter 2020 you are listening to Life Change Church with Pastor Ron Rands If this message encourages and inspires you, pass it on to someone else. You can find weekly episodes on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts under Life Change Church Muskegon. When you share it to your social media, be sure to tag us at Life Change Church. For prayer support and more resources, visit mylifechangechurch.tv. I'm Karma Adams, producer.